You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. show that dedicated to help couples, married couples, engaged couples, dating couples, to build their relationships on the rock that is Jesus Christ. I am Father Brito Berkmans, and I'm here with my co-host, Sandra Labuvi. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, Father Brito. How are you doing on this, what, December day in Chicagoland? Yes. December day, I know. But you know what? It puts you in the right mood for the season, don't you think? <laughs> it's hard not to be put in the right mood. The I know. Carols are playing the occasional snowfall, which I'm sure is going to keep building um, as we get deeper into winter here. Uh, but yes, it's a wonderful time of year. Yeah, that is the beauty of being in this country, you know, because growing up in India, you know, we didn't see too many signs of Christmas, except maybe in the shop windows a little bit. Mm. And of course, in Catholic homes, when you went to your parish, but not in the larger society outside. But here in America, even before Thanksgiving, they keep reminding you that Christmas is coming. I was going to say, it's almost like the opposite extreme, isn't it? You can't not see Christmas here earlier than you're even ready to sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but but the problem is, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, I was just saying this in my last homily, and I said, if a bunch of aliens were to visit our country at this time, mm. and they see all these lights and decorations and people frantically going to shopping malls and everything, what will they think it's all about? Will they really know it is about the birth of Jesus? Mm. You know, and I think that is a big issue here. Yes. We have taken Christ out of Christmas. And I think what we need to do is to put him back. Mm -hmm. But of course, you can't put him back into Christmas if we don't put him back into our everyday life. That's right. What meaning does it have if Christ isn't? Exactly. Yes. If yes. Christ is not your Savior, he's not your Lord, then why do you celebrate his birth? Right. Right. Uh, but I think that's what we are trying to do in this show, help our couples to base their marriage and relationships on Christ. So, so this is what we do. We bring our wonderful couples in, you know, to interview them. And, and then in the next show, we try to unpack. So here we are. We just in, interviewed a great couple. We both know them somewhat well, Dan and Maggie. And I think they were a very special couple because they're not the usual run-of-the-mill couple. Uh, he had been married before. God is, 
uh, divorce and, of course, annulment from the church. And she was never married. And when they got together, you know, he already had children who were in high school. And suddenly, you know, there were a lot of challenges for both of them. And they were already set in their ways. You know, he said he was in his 40s. And, you know, you, you, you live in your own way. And that is why I said this interview was all about total commitment. It's very clear how deeply committed they are. So they are ready to work through things, to sacrifice. So we would like to talk about some of the great insights we found. Yeah. So maybe well, we can, I yeah. Think was, sorry, I think what was really unique, you hit on it, is that this couple, unlike many of the couples we've interviewed before, um, they started dating in their 40s. So as you said, at that point in life, we've already become quite established in our lifestyles, our habits, our relationships, friendships, even in the case, as you mentioned with Dan, he has two children he's raising. So you, you have a way of doing things. And then all of a sudden, here comes this new person, you know, here comes Maggie. And how do you fit that all together? Uh, Your relationship brought with it as they use the word complications to use their word um, challenges that I think um, people who meet at younger ages obviously don't have to face those kinds of challenges that early on as they're trying to get their footing um, in this new relationship. So the one um, thing that Dan had mentioned right out of the gate is he said um, that they had to grow up. And it's I interesting. Mean, I mean, isn't it interesting here? It's like yeah. you're in your 40s and yet you're yeah. talking about the need to grow up, whereas so many younger kids who date younger probably could use a little more maturity, but they don't realize it. Yeah, but Dan and Maggie saying they needed to learn how to grow up and how to look at life in a different way. Because exactly. Now, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Exactly. No, what I'm saying is that I've always said it takes two adults to get married. Yes. See, in America, we say somebody who turns 18 is an adult. Really? I have seen people who are 40-year-olds, they're not adults. And there are 16-year-olds who could be counted as adults. I think as far as marriage is concerned, there are two criteria to determine that somebody is an adult. Number one, an adult is capable of loving someone else more than they love themselves. In marriage, you have to do that. Second, marriage sets some boundaries. An adult respects boundaries. Children cannot do that. Mm. you know. And I think what Dan said is so important. It is you... You believe that there are other, there is another person in the relationship, so I have to adjust myself to them, you know. And I think that was a very important point about growing up. And I think in marriage, you have to constantly grow up because, you know, the people change and they grow and new challenges come. See, when children come or children grow up, you got new challenges, so you have to keep growing. Right. And I think the key posture to have for that to actually be a possibility is what they talked about over and over again in our interview. And that is this being open. You know, as Dan said, you know, it's easy to stay in his words, narrow minded. um, If you are so set in your ways, but to be able to have that openness to just start to look at things a little bit differently from another person's perspective. And then even more importantly, an openness to learn. You know, and that requires a humility to say, okay, maybe there are some things that I don't quite have figured out. Maybe there's some things I'm doing that aren't in the best interest of this relationship. And to be able to to be open to to uh, recognizing those things, um, hopefully alongside your partner who brings these things to your attention, things that normally you wouldn't even think about. 
um, being open to recognizing them and being open to learning how to deal with them and maybe developing some new strategies moving forward that will allow the meshing of those two worlds to be more um, compatible. Yeah, I mean, uh, also on Maggie's part, she had to learn too. No, not only Diane had to learn, she had to learn, to learn to, you know, so he was doing things in a certain way with regard to his children, and she had to adjust to that. And I just, as he said, he had to adjust to her. And as you said, that openness is so important in relationships. Sometimes people get so set in their opinions, they don't want to give in. Naturally, it creates tensions and problems. Right. Right. So they said they did, they did things early on um, in order to, to uh, foster this openness they had to learning. They read books together. They talked yes. about uh, the love languages, right? This has come yes. up before with our couples. Uh, just to have that openness to understand that, okay, there's a different person who may be needing different things than what I might need in this relationship. So it's a great suggestion for people to look at some of these classic books about relationships yep. um, and look at them together and see what you can learn and how you can grow through that experience. Um, they talked a lot, and you touched on it earlier too, about this concept of sacrificial love, right? I think that kind of goes hand in hand with that openness. You're willing to sacrifice, yeah. sacrifice yourself, sacrifice uh, your way, your approach, your your thinking about certain things to include this other person in their world in your view. Um, so they talked about just how important that concept of sacrificial love was. Yeah, I mean, I think that is where you are Christ-like. Yes. I mean, when you look at the love of Jesus, it's all about sacrifice. You know, his entire life was about that. He said, I've come to do the will of my father. You know, we are in the Advent season and uh, the angel tells Joseph, you know, you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, which through sacrifice on the cross. Now, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is giving up something that is yours in order to make the other person happy, mm. to put the happiness of the other ahead of your own. Even if it causes you pain or, or inconvenience, you're willing to do that. Now, without sacrifice, there is no real love because sacrifice shows the effort, right? I mean, if a boyfriend calls his girlfriend and says, oh, sweetie, oh, darling, I would love to come and see you. I will give anything to be with you. But right now I cannot come to see you because it is raining. No, she will say, if you're not ready to get wet, don't tell me you love me. The <laughs> sacrifice, you know? What do you read in the gospel? Jesus says in the gospel of John, there is no greater love than this, than for someone to lay down their life for their friend. Jesus laid down his life for us. Spouses have to lay down their life for each other. It's you know, nowadays, I think we hear that word too much, sacrifice. Everybody wants to have fun. Marriage has to be fun. Relationship has to be fun. No, there is a lot of pain. There's a lot of giving up, compromising. Right. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I think you're right. And then they talked about how important that was to be able to do that for each other. I think um, that whole idea of sacrifice is really, uh, it, that's really what's required for two different worlds to come together and work. Because they are, as we are talking about, different worlds, very different worlds. When you look at Maggie in uh, our most recent couple, Maggie coming with no children um, in her 40s, already established, Dan coming already with this family unit. Um, how does that come together and work if you're not able to uh, kind of 
look internally and and reevaluate some of the things that maybe you're holding on to that might need to be offered up to invite this other person into that space. So yes, I think that sacrificial love is critical. And as we were talking about that, they did talk about the importance of their faith. So connected to what you were saying earlier, um, right. them, the, the sacrifice takes even more meaning um, when they reflect on this, this Lord this, who has sent his son to die for us, um, sent his son into this world as we're going to celebrate in a few weeks here, right? Um, right. The fact that they hold fast to that and that that is important, that sets the foundation and it sets the stage and it sets the example, as you were saying, for how we are to love each other as well. Now, we're not necessarily called to die on a cross, <laughs> but no. we are called. We are certainly called to yeah. die certain parts of ourselves that can sometimes feel really painful. <laughs> you know, it is interesting you said that because just yesterday, we priests, you know, we do a called Office of Readings, and one of the readings was from a saint, Saint Jane de Francis de Chantal, mm -hmm. who was a spiritual daughter of Francis de Sales. And they had this great friendship. She had been married. She had been a mother, gave up all that, became a nun, and started what is called the Order of Visitation. Those nuns are still around the world. She says, you know, we may not die a martyr, martyr's death, but we need to die through a martyrdom of love. Mm. Mm. This is the martyrdom of love. For the sake of loving your spouse, your children, your family, you die as a martyr. You die to yourself. You know, I say that marriage is a merger. You know, it's a partnership. The two shall become one. And for that, you have to die to yourself. You know, if you two, put two pieces of wood together, just glue them, they won't stay together. What do you do? You cut out pieces and then you make a joint. Mm. And it is like that. You have to cut out pieces of yourself in order to merge with the other one. And in this country, it is more challenging because we are used to protecting, guarding our own independence and our autonomy and our individuality. Anyway, on that thought, we need to take a break. So don't touch the dial. We'll be back. This is Built on the Rock. Charity's 75th annual celebration of giving is underway in support of those who are struggling to make ends meet every day. Individuals, families, colleagues, neighbors, parishioners, and friends purchase thousands of gifts and basic necessities to ensure Catholic Charities' clients and their families have a joyful Christmas morning. There are many ways to get involved, including online wish lists that make giving easier than ever before. If you can join us in this special Chicago Christmas tradition as volunteers and donors, please email us at cog at catholiccharities.net. That's cog at catholiccharities.net. Or call 312-655-7401 in Cook County and 847-782-4210 in Lake County. Thank you for helping us spread Christmas cheer this year throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Forty-four for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me 
when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. I see that light bulb go off and it's a thrill. People are always amazed, what, what? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach, apply today at artchicago.org schooljobs. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's Are you hearing that too, Father Brito? <laughs> I see it on your face. Looks like it's calming down now. Um, so again, we're back here at Built on the Rock, and I am um, Sandy Labuvi here with Brito, Father Brito Birchmans, and we are discussing the wonderful interview we had with Dan and Maggie last month. So um, Dan and Maggie, uh, what a wonderful couple. Right before the break, we were talking about this concept of sacrificial love that, that they had talked about and the importance of having that in their relationship. And when I think about the points we've already talked about, um, that of growing up, you know, Dan saying that they needed to grow up, uh, they needed to be open to learn, um, that all, those are examples of sacrificial love, dying to ourselves. And the third point I wanted to uh, touch on now that came from our interview with them as well is just another example of that sacrificial love. And that was when they talked about the importance of listening to each other. Do you remember uh, that, Father Brito? Oh, my oh, God. I, I, think I remember said, because men and women come from very different places. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I think probably every couple listening can relate to this um, at some point in their relationship where uh, it has been challenging to really listen to each other. As you talked about and as we talked about with Dan and Maggie, uh, men and women have such different approaches to um, conflict, I'll say, if there's an issue um, as a woman, we want to be able to express that in a safe place, and we want to know that that's okay. 
Um, and we know that by being heard, by being listened to, by being validated just where we are at. Whereas men, as you know, Father Bruno, um, and Dan mentioned it too, he talked about how he has this information brain and he always tries to apply logic and what they're doing is looking for those solutions. What's the logic we can apply to this situation where we can then come up with a solution? And those two don't necessarily work very well together when you're in those places of conflict. Um, so that point that they talked about, about learning how to listen to each other and accepting each other's feelings is literally gold <laughs> when it comes to any relationship between man and woman, because we are so intrinsically differently wired, correct? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I like to tell my couples when I prepare them for marriage, I tell them, you know, that there was a psychologist almost 30, 40 years ago, John Gray, he wrote a series of books with the same title. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And he wrote several books with the same title, you know, and they sold millions of copies. The basic premise is this, men and women are different in the way they communicate to each other. You know, we come from two different planets. So intergender communication is intergalactic communication. So all the more reason, I think especially for women, they want to be heard. Now, I think we men immediately want to jump in and offer a solution. And as Dan was saying, you know, we we are logical. and No, women want just to be heard, to be their feelings to be validated. So we men have to be patient to listen, to hear, so the other person feels validated. And that sometimes is difficult for us as men. You know, we want to jump immediately. How do I resolve this? How do I solve this problem? Yeah, in a really... Good point that Dan made. And, and as I listened to the show again, I heard it. So the first time I, it was kind of a subtle point, but it's so good. He said that it's important to recognize that feelings will influence any logic or rationale you will apply to a situation. So it, it's it's a small point, but it's so true. If, if you don't understand the feelings at the very base level, um, you're going to be approaching things from a very different perspective because whether it makes logical sense or not for me to feel the way I do, I feel the way I do, and I'm going to bring that into the situation. So we really need to step back from the logic and understand what those feelings are. Or at minimum, um, like Dan and Maggie talked about, at least accept those feelings, even if you don't fully understand them. And there's a difference. And Dan made a very important suggestion. He said, always use I statements. I, I, I tell my couples, you know, when you're dealing with conflict, say, I feel, I want, I would like. Instead of saying, you are this, you are like this, you did this. The moment I say you, 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 the other person wants to defend themselves, and then you start an argument. So to be able to say, you know, I wish we had more time. I wish that we could talk, I whatever. Instead of saying, you don't make time for us, and you are selfish, you are this, no. Right. So I, I think that was a good suggestion that Dan made about using I statements. Right. And it really makes sense. If we're talking about how important it is to express our feelings, um, they kind of need to be our feelings. <laughs> we need to own them. So to approach it from a perspective of this is me, this is what I need, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes great sense. And for me, you know, through all these points, that's one thing that stood out was you know, they took their time to, to be engaged. I mean, they dated for six or seven years, and then they got engaged, and then they got married. But you can see that 
through their years of marriage, there is one thing that stands out is their total commitment. They are ready to do anything yes. that will call for, you know, building the marriage. They will do anything to listen to each other, to make the sacrifice, yes. to be open. I mean, they are ready to do all that. And they, they that began in their dating relationship. Um, they had dated for six years, I believe, before they got yeah, married, correct? Exactly. So, and when I'd asked them about um, that length of time, uh, they said there was a lot of work they needed to do, you know, that because of the complications that they brought to the table coming along, you know, at a, a later stage in their life. So they weren't afraid from the very beginning to face those things and, and put that effort in and work through that together. And what a wonderful way to begin your relationship. You only carry that forward in your marriage. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Really, no, really no, but, but that is the right way to start your marriage relationship. Right. right. Because the whole idea of dating and courtship is about looking through the issues and problems that may arise and working through them. And once you feel you have addressed them sufficiently, then you say we are ready to jump in. Right. I wonder how many couples do that. Right. You know, Right. They think that by getting married with the problems will take care of them. No, they get worse. Or or they think that these problems exist and therefore this is a bad sign. Okay, this oh. relationship isn't meant to be. This isn't easy. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, that's a, a big misnomer. If you think your relationship should be easy, no. good luck finding any relationship that will work, right? But 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 it should not be a struggle. You well, know, there's a yes. difference between. There should be a certain sense of serenity in the in the relationship. But you there know? will be challenges. But there will be challenges. If you expect marriage to be without challenges, no, then you are in the la-la land. I mean, right. you've got to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I really, I mean, this was a great couple. I mean, we could go on because there is so much more to talk about. Yeah, I think we have a couple minutes here before we need to wrap up. So maybe we can jump into the... Um, the last point that we discussed with them before we closed the show, because it was a little bit more lighthearted and um, we've heard this theme consistently with so many couples. And that is the importance of having a sense of humor in your marriage, yep. being able to laugh together. Um, yes. You just saw, even as they talked about it, you could see their faces light up, right. you know, when they were talking about how, Oh, we have different senses of humor and Dan likes Seinfeld and Meg's yeah. doesn't felt at all but even as they're talking about that the smiles on their faces to just take things up to a level of a little more lightness you know life can be hard oh. obviously there's a lot of challenges but to be able to find time to laugh together and just have that ability to laugh at yourselves sometimes laugh at the situation and not take it so seriously when possible um it just makes for a a, a great relationship and what did what did maggie say humor oh there was a quote he said it's the oil that makes the engine run. That That's was that was Dan. Yeah, yeah. And Maggie yeah. said, Maggie said, uh, she yeah, said, she, laughing makes life a little sweeter. That was what. Yes. Which is exactly. which is so true. I I tell people. I mean, we all have to have a sense of humor. I mean, now that I'm much older, you know, I, you know, when I was younger, if I made a mistake in public, I would be so mad at myself. Oh. Now I make people laugh with the stupidities that I have done. You know, hey. We are all imperfect creatures. And I tell people, you know, God has a sense of humor because he made us. You know, he must be <laughs> laughing. You know, we we mess up everything, but God still is laughing and saying it's okay. It's a God is so patient with us, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think in this season, it is for me, this season is always so special. I mean, 
there is a feeling about it, you know. Right. Eastern right. is more like theologically and otherwise you 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 get into that spirit. But at Christmas, from the time I was a child, there is something very special in your heart, in your emotions. And so I think as we come to the end of the show, I think it'll be nice to get back to that. We got 10 days before Christmas, less than oh. 10 days. Oh. I wish that we can put Christ back into Christmas. You see, I mean, if you send a card, please send a Christmas card with the image of Jesus. If you're putting a stamp, yes, it's great to put the flag there, but there are Christmas stamps. Remind people that it is Christmas, the birth of Christ. Don't wish people happy holidays, especially fellow Christians. Tell them Merry Christmas, you know, and uh, tell your children, your family to think about the story of the birth of Jesus. There are beautiful movies that you could watch, just the birth of Christ, put you in the, in the spirit of this time. So I think, you know, we want to put Christ back into Christmas. Absolutely, absolutely. And on that note, why don't we close our show with a Christmas prayer? Um, yes. Written by Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh God, our loving Father, help us rightly to remember the birth of Jesus that we may share in the song of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds, and the worship of the wise men. Close the door of hate and open the door of love all over the world. Let kindness come with every good gift and good desires with every greeting. Deliver us from evil by the blessing which Christ brings and teach us to be merry with clean hearts. May Christmas morning make us happy to be thy children and the Christmas evening bring us to our beds with grateful thoughts, forgiving and forgiven. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas to our listeners. God bless you. And we'll see you in the new year. Uh, we'll talk to you in the new year. God bless. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Father Brito. Merry Christmas, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs>